This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Questions podcast, presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor, and it starts right now. Now, let's go to the WTC gig-powered studios. Here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to the PowerCat podcast. Just a little bit going on today as we pack this podcast into a very busy day in K-State Sports News and at GoPowerCat.com. I lost track of how many content items went up on the site at 13. We've had a lot of recruiting coverage. And, of course, the Big 12 has announced Game On for Football. And K-State has announced its new Big 12 schedule, well, complete schedule, with Arkansas State being the one non-conference game of the season. You can find out all of that information by heading over to GoPowerCat.com. Read up on all that free stuff, but if you want the really good stuff, you got to be a VIP, and it's 50% off an annual subscription right now. Football is coming down the road. We can see it. It's hovering on that horizon Hmm. In fact, oh, in fact, we are one month away from football, aren't we? September 12th against Arkansas State at the Bill. So make sure you're getting all of your news from GoPowerCat.com, the trusted coverage you want of your K-State Wildcats. Kicking butt in both team and recruiting coverage. A new recruiting team is killing it. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Ryan Gilbert, who is a member of that recruiting team, for another Zoom edition of your questions podcast. As I continue to hide, I hunker down at home. Good questions this week, Gills? We'll find out here in a minute, but oh, pretty interesting stuff. It was ever-changing. You you have to give me more than that. Like, you say, no, nah, they suck, boss. Or, yay, they're really good. We don't have to do that voice. That, that voice is kind of weird. Don't do that. Let's uh, get after it after I tell you to go shop at the fridge, which you know. Hopefully fans will be allowed in the stands at some point this season. And when you come to town, stop at the fridge for your pregame festivities. Maybe if fans aren't allowed in the stands, you can just go tailgate, set up a TV in the parking lot, and watch from there. That would be a bad idea, actually. Huh. Go to the fridge. When you do come back to town, make sure you stop into Tanner's or the High-Low for the best food in Aggieville. You'll love what you see. Great service, great people, and really fun menus at both places. The Tanner's and High-Low, both in Aggieville. Let's get going with your questions from Wild Bass Station. Here's Gills. First question of the podcast from Kane Ed. What is the over-under on number of changes to college football reports between recording and posting this podcast? No doubt. I think we're at a, I think we're kind of settled in, don't you, Zach? I think you got three power fives in, two power fives out. I guess the American could still bail or 
Let's see, the Mountain West bailed. Sun Belt's already said they're in. Conference USA, did they bail? Uh, I think they're still talking. Yeah, so. But I think that it looks favorable for them, I think. Oh, good. Oh, good. So I don't think we're going to have any changes. We've got a schedule set. Um, I don't know, unless the Big Ten or Pac-12 comes around and says, oh, maybe we'll try, which I doubt. Pride is in the way of that, I believe. Zach, do you foresee changes here? If there's going to be any changes, it'll be the Pac-12 or Big Ten saying, never mind, we messed up. I think I think that's the only thing that'll happen. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think that they have they've made their bed, and I think they're gonna they're gonna lay in it now. And I think the Big Twelve saying we're gonna play today is is an indication of hey, we're really gonna have a college football season now. If it you know it'll get started for sure, we'll have games. Will we play an entire season? It remains to be seen. But if Man, if we get three games into the season and everything's going pretty smoothly, you know, there might be a couple, you know, a handful of games that get canceled. But if 75, 80% of games are getting played every week, those first three weeks, mm. I think the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are going to look really silly. All right. Because, because right now they basically said, we're shutting it down. There's no need to practice. I think Michigan might've gotten a waiver to continue voluntary workouts, but what are these PAC 12 and big 10 schools doing right now? If you're going to say no season, what's the point? What's the point in trying to practice just in case there is going to be one. It sounds like there's less of a plan for the PAC 12 and the big 10 to actually play a season, whether it's now in the spring, whenever, I think there's less of a plan for them to play than what the big 12, the ACC and sec and the, the group of five schools have laid that are that are going to play have laid out, and I, I don't actually blame I don't blame the MAC or um, Mountain, West. Mountain West for for dropping out right now just because of you know they're smaller schools smaller conferences and they require a lot of money from these non con games that were getting canceled. So I don't blame them. I think this is all Pac-12, Big Ten. We'll see what they have to do in the next week. Well, you nailed it. If if the other three conferences get through their season you know, with minimal disruption and looking at the big 12 schedule, they've left plenty of dates to reschedule games. It's really uh, amazing to see what a good job they did. K-State schedule, for example, there's an off week after the the non-con game, which I think everyone will have, although some teams might not open till the 19th, but that's just how that built out. Then K-State will play three games and take an off week and play three games and take an off week and then play three more games. And then, guys, there's another off week in there. Um, that last game against Texas and Manhattan is December 5th, but the championship game is until the 19th, apparently, because they can go ahead and play on the 12th, too. So they have windows to fit makeup games in. And I think that's a really, really good sign and good leadership uh, in terms of how they set up that schedule for the Big 12. You're right, Zach. You know, uh, the Big Ten now uh, has gambled. This is a weird thing to say. They felt like it was unsafe for them to play football and someone might get sick, and let's be honest, and have permanent damage ensue. They're, they're scared of litigation. This isn't really about protecting the kids. If it's about protecting kids, they wouldn't have their campuses open, and they sure as hell wouldn't let practice continue. Uh, I mean, I know it keeps you within your bubble of your team if you're practicing and not competing against another team, but, I mean, 
Really? I mean, the kids are still going to be around, and they still might get COVID on campus while and practice football. I don't, I don't know if that you're really saving yourself from litigation at this point, but you might have opened up one hell of a case for litigation if the other league successfully play and a Nebraska or another conference team that's pissed off about not playing turns around and sues you for violating uh, the agreement of the conference and not playing and costing them money. Uh, this could get very interesting. Another thing that was pointed out to me that um, by an attorney friend of mine, he said, by not playing, you admitted there's great risk in playing. So if you go ahead and play in the spring and someone gets sick, you're going to have a hard time going to court and saying, well, we mitigated the risk when nothing has really changed between now and the spring. Unless there's a vaccine or great breakthrough, nothing will change. How are you going to play in the spring? Nobody's playing in the spring. Not not a full game, not a full season. They might sneak in three, four, five games, but you're not going to be able to play a full season if you want to and turn around and play in the fall next year. No way. Silly. I think Gene also made a good point talking about how the schedule was made. I, know, I don't know if we're going to get into this, but K-State opens on the road again against OU. And he made, a, you know, he made a few comments there just based on schedules he had seen. But he talked about the scheduling theory and how collapsible the schedule is, how the teams were kind of paired together. So if you do have instances where games need to be canceled, you can perhaps rearrange or when you need to reschedule on those bye weeks. Um, you know, there's windows there. It seems this schedule that the Big 12 has put together seems very well planned out and prepared for the event of a disruption. So I think that as crazy as it is to say it, I think that the Big 12, in the end, waiting this long, got it right with how they scheduled out their season. Yeah. And, you know, Bullsby made it clear. Uh, there's just... A, a moment of clarity here on what they're doing for the for the now. They may get halfway into camp. They might get to the start of September and cases are blowing up because students have returned to the campuses and they'll discover, well, we, we gave it a shot. We can't play. Maybe they'll get all the way to the first game and then transmission will happen from team to team and people will get scared. Someone gets really sick. People will get scared. Um but they're moving ahead. They didn't just shut it down, which I think was Pac-12 and Big Ten really, really uh, foolish. I mean, it was just foolish. Just give it some more time. Go ahead and go to camp. See what happens. But apparently uh, their doctors believe everyone's going to die and the world's going to burn up. And the doctors for the ACC, SEC, and Big 12 think, hey, you know, someone could get sick, but they're opting in to play, and uh, they know the risk, but we feel like we can mitigate those risks to the point of making it safe for everyone. So let's see. Let's see how far they get. Maybe we'll get some football, and I hope so. And the ACC's medical director, whoever there was giving their advice, came from Duke. Like, they work at the Duke Medical School. Big 12 was KU. They took a lot of advice from the KU Medical School. So the, these are, you know, these institutions here – aren't you know no name medical schools you know like these are legitimate places to get medical advice from so it's interesting to see the you know doctors differ across the country but it's interesting i don't think that this is a complete this isn't a complete football play i think this is hey 
here's what the situation is. Here's what the risks, risks are. Do you want to proceed? Plus, by the way, it's football. There's chances for injury every game. You know, it, is COVID playing football the biggest problem we have right now? Yeah, I mean, there's a good argument to be made that trying to play a season in the spring followed by a season in the fall is far more detrimental to the health of your student-athletes in COVID right now. That's an argument. I don't know if it's right or not. I'm not a scientist. And speaking of scientists, Nebraska's pissed off. They want to play. And uh, their scientist, uh, Larry the Cable Guy, is pretty adamant that uh, it's safe. And he said so. He sounds, when Larry the Cable Guy speaks, it sounds like he really knows what he's talking about. So uh, I think Nebraska really wants to play. You know, part of me really doesn't feel sorry for Nebraska, but hopefully we have a question on that. We will. <laughs> <laughs> Next question from Contra Cat. If the NCAA has vacated any ability to control teams and seasons, leaving that to the individual teams to decide to play, by what right do they have? Do they ever get to say anything about how sports are engaged by schools ever again? I honestly don't know how they get to establish rules on hours of practice, but have no input on how their member schools manage all sorts of issues, testing, championships, etc. Or is this just a football-specific issue since so many dollars are at stake? Uh, I think it's all a good point. I mean, uh, I think this is the beginning of the end for the NCAA, at least – when it comes to Power 5 football, I think you're going to see maybe the Power 5 peel away and uh, do their own thing, which has long been believed to be in the works or likely to happen. I don't think it'll just be the Power 5. I think some other programs will want to join that party if they can. But uh, the NCAA really has made itself virtually useless in this situation. Um, and it's supposed to offer guidance to its member institutions and has kicked it back to everyone just to kind of do their own thing. The conferences do their own thing, and um, maybe they're offering some clarity in testing and safety protocols, but they they really dropped it here, and that's, that's fine. Let's move on to something that works better for everyone that's involved. Like you said, I think that this, this might be the beginning of the end for the NCAA, especially I think this might kind of be a football-specific issue just based on how the championship is dealt you know the power five schools are the teams that are going to be playing for the championship whether you want ucf in the playoffs or not they're not gonna be there so i think that this could be like you said the beginning of the end um i don't know i don't know how the ncaa has lost their oversight of this but you know conferences you know for forever have had their own specific rules for their own member institutions that don't necessarily you know, think of the NCAA as they're the federal government, the conferences are the state governments. And I think, you know, separation of those two, what do you want? What do you not? What's acceptable? What's not? I think that, you know, there, there is an opportunity here to get some more clarity there. Um, if the NCAA wants to keep going and exist in the way it does. Yeah. I think it's time to admit that the Mac couldn't afford to play because it didn't have the, the buy games. I don't know how that impacted the Mountain West and other non-Power 5 conferences. But I think it's time just to admit this, that the break here isn't between the FCS and the FBS. It's between the Power 5 and everyone else. I mean, it's obviously that way. And once in a while, someone will sneak into the playoffs or into high bowls, you know, and that's great. But 
either be in or be out. And I'm just ready for this now. And Mac, if you can't afford to play without having a bunch of buy-in games and you can't afford to test, well, it's time just to back up into the FCS and go go play in a, a very, very good level of football overseen by the NCAA with playoffs. And then the Power Five programs can go and do their thing, and they still want to have bowls. They can have bowls, but, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of over bowls too, guys. I'd rather have a 16-team playoff than, than a bunch of bowls that, you know, are supposed to be sacred, but they change their name every month. <laughs> From Purple Powerhouse, are athletes really any better off and safer at home in the event that the season were to be canceled? It seems to be – it seems to me – that with all the health and safety protocols implemented at the Power Five institutions, maybe they're better off being at school and playing football. Well, this was something that came up. Uh, I talked to Brian Hanley on the Life of Fitz podcast this week, um, and we really just talked football, the current situation. You know, as, as a former K-State player in 97, 98, he knows there's a bunch of players on every team who are better off in their college setting. Maybe they don't have a great home life or they don't have a great – situation with where their home is located. They don't have enough computers or internet access to do distance learning. And they need the structure and the meals and the coaches and the and the kinship of, of uh, teammates to really uh, flourish as a young human being. I think they're better off at school, but, you know, I, I think that's another thing we brought up. If you're going to have non-in-person teaching I think the NCAA needs to allow programs to give their student athletes a computer because, I mean, that's that's a must anymore with learning. And if they're going to be on a full ride, then they, as Brian pointed out in our podcast, you get that in junior high and high school now, you get a free laptop to use. You, you probably should be able to get it at a college if you're uh, having to learn from a remote location. So, yeah, I'm just fascinated that people think we can't do this and that, but we're all going to be on campus together. I can tell you this, the biggest threat to COVID spreading isn't on campus or isn't on the playing field of any sport. It's in a bar or a house party. I mean, that's just the way it is on a college campus in a college town. It's going to spread. And just because a football player would get it doesn't mean he got it from football. Yeah. And at another point you talk about home life and where they live the other factor is, I mean, take Josh Youngblood, for example. Do you really want to send him back home to Tampa, you know, during, you know, where COVID is running rampant compared to here? I mean, a lot of these kids, they live in places where the COVID numbers are a lot higher than Kansas. So this, you know, being staying in Kansas is going to be the better option for them, football or no football, if you're trying to avoid catching COVID. Yeah, but, going off both of your points, these guys are getting tested three times a week now that we're finding out. So, and they've got top-notch, you know, medical staff, professionals like that. So, yeah, their home life, yeah, their home situation, their home location could be worse. But if they're not on the football team, they're not going to be getting tested at all, and they're free to go and spread coronavirus throughout the campus or wherever they're at. So, it just, just totally does not make sense how yeah. you could be any safer away from football if you're an athlete. I mean, if you have the option. You know, just as a regular person right now in a, in a global pandemic, you can get tested three times a week for COVID, but you're, you have a higher chance of contracting it, but just because of what you do, or you don't get tested at all. And you just live your life hoping you don't catch it. 
you know, I, I would rather get tested three times a week and, you know, perhaps take part in some riskier activities knowing, Hey, everyone around me is getting tested. I'm not going to really be around anybody that's testing positive, especially, um, if, you know, the positive tests come out and everybody, you know, distances at that point, I think that the risks are minimized with the number of tests that they're doing and taking. You know, let's go back to Kansas State's one player who opted out, Jonathan Alexander. He opted out for his personal safety, and that's certainly his choice. I'm not, I'm not faulting him for that choice at all. I, you know, if he feels like it's not safe to play with COVID uh, out and around, I get it. But he's had COVID, and he got it from home. He said he got it when he was home. So I just think it's funny he's worried about getting it at school or on the football field when he was not protected from it in other settings. But I feel like he'd be more protected from it within the settings of football and the confines of football. Maybe game day is a bit more risky. But if you're going to go about your business with no regard that you have to stay healthy for football, you're if you're young, you're probably going to get it again. If you can get it again, you'll get it again. It's just I thought it was very interesting. Yeah, we can go down that rabbit hole of if you do get it, how long are you immune? Because we don't know any of this stuff. But I think you know more for for uh, Alexander. It was really just he's uncertain about this season. He doesn't know if it's going to be a full season, if they're even going to play. So he wanted, you know, in his words, to be the best college athlete next year in football. So he wants to just take this time to get better because he's just uncertain. Love it. All righty. Next question from Wildcat Pilot eighty eight. Do you think there will be a spring football season or are they just trying to temporarily appease everyone until they decide to cancel it altogether? That's my belief. I mean, I think they're going to get to the spring and then their doctors are going to go, well, without moving the next fall season back, you know, a couple months, I don't know how you're going to play and you can't move the fall season back. Maybe you can chip it back a few weeks, month at the top, but then you're playing well into December. Yeah, you know, I, I think their medical people will say you, you can't really put these kids through that and then they'll all want waivers for the kids um, which they probably should give but then that gives those conferences a big advantage because they didn't play now they're getting a you know a player that might be a six-year player coming in coming back to play but i don't know i, th- I think in the spring they're going to have a big drain on some of those top programs like ohio state of guys going to the nfl and just saying i'm no i'm not going to play in the spring i'm gone i'm out of here I see part of me sees the dollar signs like, Hey, we're going to play our football season in the spring so we can keep our dollars that we lost in the fall, you know, to make up for it. But like you mentioned, how are you going to play two seasons in 12 months? I mean, it's impossible to play two full seasons. If you're going to try playing 12 games each, I mean, I think realistically, if you're going to try playing a, a 12 or a, a 2021 spring and fall season you're gonna have to split it into like eight games each maybe i mean you're looking at maybe 16 17 games is about as many as you could play doing you know between in the in the time frame that they want to do that in i just yeah i think it's a temporary trying to temporarily appease people um but they need to be they need to make their money somehow you know, no games equals no TV revenue and no athletic department revenue. You can't pay anybody. So 
I don't know. I think, I think they want to play, but I think we'll see in the next couple of weeks if the big 10 and PAC 12 say, Hey, actually if ESPN and Fox are going to pay all the conferences money and we're not going to get any, you know, piece of that pie, we should probably be playing football if we want to survive into 2021, 2022 and, and more into the future. I don't see how they can play spring football though. Just with whatever reason they want to say, as to why they can't play this fall, that's fine. If they don't want to play, they don't want to play. What's going to be any different besides a vaccine, which is not something you can bank on? What's going to be any different in the spring? I mean, there's going to be positive cases, and if you're just going to have to shut down your whole your whole league and conference, or at least your team, then I don't see any reason for them to even try playing. So I think with the question, you know, you know, it's a temporarily just trying to please people, and then they're they're eventually just going to cancel spring because there's no way. You talked about it, Zach. All these dudes that got Ohio State, they're not just going to say, "Hey, we'll you know, we'll we'll go to the draft or whatever." They're they're going to do something like that. The, the only thing I can see making a spring and fall season back to back work is if you let redshirt players, you know, give extra eligibility to a bunch of people. You're going to have to expand your roster significantly, and then you'd probably have to put limitations on how many games players can play, just from a safety aspect. But I, I just way. that's the only other thing I can think of to try making this work. I don't think it's going to work. It's a great segue into our next question, Zach. Another one from Wildcat Pilot 88. What are the long-term effects of canceling a season? Does everyone get an added year of eligibility? Do scholarship limits increase? What happens to the incoming recruits and underclassmen that we're looking at immediate playing time, but now we'll be facing a senior class that never left or graduated? Yeah, it's going to suck for those freshmen coming in. Now, I think what will happen is they just get a bump up for all the the fifth, six-year seniors that are coming back who would have run out of their eligibility. They almost don't count in your 85 for the season. I mean, that's the only way I can see them handling this. And then you're just back to 85 when they're gone. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be sticky. I mean, a lot of freshmen uh, might – reevaluate where they want to go to school because all of a sudden now the roster is an 85. It's really 97. You know, there's 12 guys who should be gone yeah. that are back taking up positions and playing time. And maybe that means a kid who would gone to Ohio state or Oklahoma or LSU might go to another institution within that same conference because they have fewer players coming back. Well, of course in the big 12, it won't matter that if they get through the season, those kids will exhaust eligibility. It could affect, Big 10 and Pac-12 recruiting. I think the the proportional just, you know, whatever the senior class is or whatever, you know, one class divided by four, tack that on, and that's what you get for scholarships. So, like, 107 or something, I don't know. Um, and just you get a one-year waiver to have an extra stash of guys on scholarship. But, yeah, it sucks for the underclassmen, but at the same time, they're still underclassmen. They can still redshirt. They're not going to, it's not going to affect them too much. You might have a little bit of extra guys, you know, throughout the course of their careers, but you know, you still have five years to play four for, for all of the incomers, incoming freshmen and newcomers. I think one of the biggest impacts, even after COVID is going to be a freshman um, deciding to redshirt because you never know if an injury is going to happen. You never know if some sort of pandemic can occur. So just, you know, going to that conclusion of using your re your red shirt after or i guess during your freshman season might you know we might have a second thought on that just because there is so much uncertainty moving forward now yep i agree 
Fitz, you're going to have to, I'm fired, I think, because I forgot to mention that that was the last question of the first half. Oh, that's all right. That's fine. <laughs> you're not fired until the show's over. We got to get through the show. We got a whole nother half. What am I going to do without you, man? <laughs> that's it for the first half of the Powercat Questions podcast, sponsored by The Fridge. We'll be right back to talk K State sports. Stay locked in. The Powercat podcast will be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. We now send it back to Fitz in the WTC gig-powered studios. Welcome back to the Powercat Questions podcast. That was a busy first half. I think we're going to have a busy second half, and it's awfully busy at gopowercat.com. 50% off an annual VIP membership right now at GPC as we celebrate 10 years of 24-7 sports. 10 years, and we, of course, have been going for more than 20 with gopowercat.com or the entity that it was before we got the swell name, Go Power Cat. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Ryan Gilbert. We're sponsored by The Fridge. Our segment sponsors are Tanners and the High Low. Make sure you stop into all of those places when you come to town, particularly The Fridge. They're just really swell. As liquor store goes, you know, sometimes you walk in a liquor store and you kind of feel like it's dirty, like you almost walked into the porn section of your VHS store. You know how that felt, Gills. Um, and, uh, but not, not at the fridge. No, no, it's, uh, it's a wholesome family atmosphere in which to buy alcohol. The fridge at the corner of this and that in the town in which we live. I like how you used a video store reference there. I know you like it. Yeah. It was subtle. It It was subtle. More questions from all about station. Take it away. Ryan Gilbert. First question of the second half from wildcat pilot 88. What are the pros and cons of hypothetically bringing Nebraska back either now or in the future? And would you ever support the idea of allowing Nebraska back in the big 12? I would, I would, I, you know, I, what they did was crappy, how they did it was crappy, why they did it was crappy, but just having to come back with their hat in their hand and say, we'd like to come back admits that they were wrong because they were wrong. We know they were wrong. We've known they were wrong. They went from being Nebraska with not just a capital N, but a capital Abaska. Nebraska, and a, I can't do it without the N. Anyhow. And for knowledge. And for knowledge. All caps Nebraska in the Big 8 and Big 12, and they went to no caps Nebraska in the Big 10 because as people from the Big 10 made it very clear on Wednesday, they don't give a rat's ass about your history. You've sucked in the Big 10. All they know is little Nebraska. That hasn't delivered anything that they thought they were getting when you joined the Big 10. You, you don't match up to the, you know, the holy programs of Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State, none of those programs. You don't measure up to that, Nebraska. You're the outsider in that conference. I know some people wouldn't want them back, guys, but I'd love to have Nebraska back. I mean, that's that's a great rivalry. It's a short trip. They belong in the Big 12. That's what someone asked me. Would they come back? I, 
I said, I don't know, but they belong in the Big 12. And if they can get over themselves and admit that that Texas wasn't as evil as they thought because now they've got a dose of Michigan and Ohio State and those guys, learn to get along, man. You're not, you don't get your way every time. And, and that's really what Nebraska has to learn because they're upset they're not getting their way now. But when you're in a conference, you don't get your way every time. So I would welcome them back. I'd welcome back, you know, someone else from the teams that departed, but I don't think any of them will come back. I think this has made the pathway for Nebraska more viable. I think now they're finally willing to admit we kind of want to come back. We've been thinking it, but we didn't want to say it. Can we come back? And that's just, I think, a year away when they're or two when their rights are up in the Big Ten. Or maybe, like I said, maybe they'll sue and get out of it and be able to come join. Who's the 12th, though? That gets to be the question, and I don't know. See, I understand the argument of, oh, no, they left. I don't want them back. I don't want to take them back. Like, they left us high and dry. Like, no, I don't want them. I understand that argument. But the other argument is, you let them come back, guess who's missing one of their members? The Big Ten. It's a power play for the Big 12. It's Sure, you're getting a team that you lost back, but at the same time, especially in this era of this potential new era of conference expansion, the Big 12 can be the go-getter here. If they go snag Nebraska, especially if the, if the Big 10 absolutely screws up this fall, and if you know the SEC, ACC, Big 12, if they all have you know, college football seasons that go relatively well uh, without a hitch, I think that you might see Nebraska come, and if Nebraska can convince Iowa or someone else like that that might be a better fit, in the Big 12, if, you know, I mean, those were the two schools that apparently wanted to play football. And if the Big 12 would have let them and the grant of rights is up in a couple of years, I, I think the Big 10's in some serious trouble here, which is crazy to think. I know. But it well, took a pandemic to expose it, to expose this. Yeah, it's crazy because, you know, they were the go getter. They went and got Nebraska as 12, but then they got greedy guys added Maryland. And Rutgers to get to 14. First of all, why are you at 14? It's an awkward number. Why did you go to 14 and get Rutgers? That really doesn't make sense to me. (laughs) Maryland makes sense, but only if you add another ACC program. If they had added Maryland and Virginia, that would make sense to me. Or North Carolina. And maybe that's their move. If they lose Nebraska and Iowa, and I don't have any clue if Iowa would come, that would be great. I mean, it would really solidify the Big 12 signature, their footprint. But I think they turn around to the ACC and try to peel off a couple good academic schools like Virginia and North Carolina. Maybe Duke and North Carolina. I don't know. But I think they need to really look at Rutgers. I mean, Rutgers is a mess. Oh, well, I don't care about them. They can figure out their own problems. I think you might look at the Big 12, say, hey, Arkansas, how has that SEC really worked out for you since you left the Southwest Conference? Because you went from a national program playing against Texas every year, Texas A&M, you three programs in the Southwest Conference were powers, powers. Arkansas, you're not that anymore. The SEC has just worn your athletic department down, your football program down. Why don't you just come back, join the Big 12, you you fit geographically, and you, you'll have a sh- chance. You'll have a real shot here to compete at a, you know, for conference titles and, 
and kind of hit the reset button instead of being in that SEC West, which is just nuts. That comp, that division is insane. See, I think I really think that Nebraska, Iowa, and Arkansas are your best expansion options at this point. If there's any school that left the Big Twelve that you just want to say screw you to, it's Mizzou. We don't need Mizzou. They suck. <laughs> I hate Mizzou. I'm with you 100%. You know, I'd take back Colorado, but they won't come back. They No, they won't. They don't. I would and, take and them. A&M's not coming back either. Missouri will never admit they're wrong. They just won't. I mean, even though Missouri people are now kind of saying, well, we don't really fit in the SEC. I mean, the move you might see is if, if Nebraska goes to the back to the Big 12, Missouri might try to jump to the Big 10 and take their place. Perhaps. Yep. Nothing. We haven't even we haven't even talked about going west. Why not? The Arizona and Arizona State. Those have been the two Power Five schools that are probably considered most poachable for the Big Twelve. Right. I mean, you throw that into the equation. I feel like the Big Twelve's sitting pretty, sitting pretty pretty. I, um, I but, legitimately think the Big Twelve, as a sixteen-team conference, I know people kind of turn away from that number but i think it's really workable guys i think it's i think it's a lot more workable than 14 let's put it that way um and if you set it up right you can really dominate the western half of the united states you know if you can go into the pac-12 we're not hearing it but you know teams are pissed you know they are and you know my choices out of there would be USC number one, Arizona, Arizona State, and, and frankly probably Utah, just because it's the most common like school to what the Big Twelve is. You got a four team quad right there to to play each other and schedule in. I think it would be a a massive move. It would change the landscape of college athletics if the Big Twelve could get to sixteen and get the money you should have for having a sixteen team conference that can fill time slots from beginning to end of the day. I want to bring up a quick point from one of my favorite professors, Dr. Keister on Twitter. Um, Riley, you know, I agree. Riley tweeted out that hey, Nebraska wanted to go to the Big Ten and they want to come back. It's like, sorry, you left. And I totally agree with that, but we can't let our emotions get in the way of what's rational for the Big Twelve. Uh, Dr. Keister said it strengthens the Big 12. It makes it more likely the Big 12 will will remain viable, if I can speak, and K-State needs a viable Big 12. So I know know. Nebraska, you guys left us. It's terrible. You guys were mean about it. But I think for the Big 12, it certainly makes 100% sense to bring them back. It would make the conference a lot stronger. Yeah, the other thing is, is at some point we're going to have to solve the West Virginia issue. You're either going to have to find – programs to bridge to West Virginia, or maybe if the Big Ten poaches off another ACC program, that West Virginia moves into the ACC, which is probably where they belong. Um, I think if you had a line of schools that ran, you know, Arkansas, Iowa West, um, kind of skipping over Missouri, I think you're in a really good setting there to have a lot of college football. You can kick off at 11 Central or 9 p.m. Central uh, with with a conference that goes all the way to the Pacific. And, and that's got a lot of value to a, a rights holder that you can do that and have quality football games in those slots. Next question from StatCat. Let's assume the Big 12 decided to play out the season. Let's also assume the NCAA grants an extra year of eligibility for players who team, whose teams choose to cancel the season. Does this mean the Big 12 is at a disadvantage in 2021 competing against teams 
that will essentially have a class of sixth year seniors on top of their regular roster. Yeah. That's the problem with it. The Pac-12 and Big Ten would get rewarded for not playing. Although I'll say this, I don't know how many kids will actually do that. I mean, if they're really difference makers at the top programs, then they're going to try to go play pro football. Um, you know, it might be different for – it might have a big impact internally for, like, the Big Ten. Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State may not have a ton of those kids come back or at least difference makers, but Purdue and Minnesota and programs like that, um, kind of like programs to Kansas State with how they can recruit – they might have some three-star kids that are pretty good college players, but maybe a step below the NFL that say, yeah, I'm going to come back for my sixth year. I'm gonna, I want to finish out my college career. It'll, it'll be interesting to see. It could really have a big impact within conferences more than out of conference. I kind of agree with that take, but at the same time, schools lose kids every year. Kids graduate every year. You know, what talent you have is what talent you have, no matter – what year it is, what season it is. So it might be, you know, maybe a one game difference. I don't think it's going to be anything significant. Plus all those guys, they leave the next year. There's a whole bunch of guys that are younger that won't be playing. Um, They won't be getting game time experiences the same age or as kids, the same age as them at other schools that went ahead and played and no, you know, they, they use their eligibility. So, you know, Come two years, are the schools that did play this year, are they going to be more experienced? Because, you know, the next year, I know this is getting really confusing and wordy, but <laughs> but just, you know, there's a lag there. So it's, I mean, that's kind of what we have in college football today, isn't it? You know, there's teams that are really good on certain years, and there's teams that are, you know, they have to rebuild. And it takes them a couple of years to get back to where they were. You know, it's I, I see the cycle continuing, and I don't think that it's going to, change that much if if they do let these guys have extra years i i find this as a real possibility too we could see those kids grad transfer at the semester and and just say you know what i graduated i'm gonna go someplace where they play football i'm not gonna try to waste a year in the spring or or you know sit out and not play at all i'm gonna go to the big 12 or sec and and play my last season there and get into spring football i this it's just going to be fascinating. Now, back to this topic, the NCAA needs to offer some clarity and do it soon on what the academic standing or athletic eligibility standing of those athletes will be. Do something, NCAA, now. I think the best answer to this question, we'd come back probably a year from now and see what these players actually do do um, and if the NCAA really has a, a solid rule on this. So. But I like the points you guys make. I, I will also appreciate you sneaking in the word do-do into the – podcast <laughs> of course next question from oil or cat two there have only been a few practices but have you heard any news on how practices are going i wonder what the attitude of players and coaches are with so much uncertainty going on well we really haven't heard any great details the the coaches have shared some stuff on on the press conferences but no great detail i mean they've only had a couple practices i, I think spirits are high the team wants to play it sounds like jonathan alexander is the only opt-out which is a good sign you know that's a that's the thing here guys want to play you know everyone's like oh, what if they get sick what if they make their own mind up on that you know well why do you need to protect them they're adults and they have parents to help them make decisions um but i i think this team feels good about itself and I on 
you know, the field, the biggest concerns at offensive line, and Courtney Messingham talked about it on Wednesday at, during his Zoom press conference about just the lack of ability to practice with, you know, the, all the guys along the offensive line in spring football could be really detrimental this year. Another thing, maybe these guys, you know, a dozen of these players had it. You know, the team knows who had it and who didn't. Maybe the guys that haven't got it and they saw their teammates that had it, they said, you know, maybe this isn't that bad. I know I, I don't want to downplay the seriousness of this virus or this disease, but, you know, perhaps, you know, it really doesn't affect young people as much as, you know, di- different segments of the population. And if, if these players are like, you know, if it didn't affect, you know, player, you know, X, Y, Z, you know, who knows if it affects me, you know, like if that, that'll probably be what my symptoms are, if I do catch it, you know, but I think that, I think these players having seen the, at the same time, seeing the, these, you know, their teammates caught it and the seriousness of, Hey, we had to shut down for two weeks. We couldn't play. We had to get this, you know, this disease out of here. Maybe it, these players come back with a, a bigger focus, you know, a, a better mindset to stay quarantined, stay socially distanced, stay away from the bars, stay away from parties. We're in this, you know, it's going to be a painful run. But if we stay focused, we can win some games and we can compete for a championship because this is going to be a complete wild card year. And if the players have bought into that, you know, I think I think that's a good thing. And if they want to play. Let them play. Next question from the incredible Gulk with K-State getting a new guy at safety, Matthew Langlois. What positions will they have to focus on now? O-line and linebacker? Yeah, they, they keep getting the small guys, you know, the receivers and the and the defensive backs. They really have to get in there and get some, some more dynamic playmakers um, up on – on the front end of that defensive end or defensive uh, set, I I don't know how much more they're going to do on the offensive line, uh, but yeah, I, this was a great pickup. But I'm anxious for some uh, some meat on the plate right now because uh, they need to get some big guys. Last question of the podcast from Adam K sixty three. With all the COVID talk and the attention on college sports happening or not. Does the KU case with the NCAA allegation get hidden and not looked at anytime soon? I don't know. I don't know how it's it's too hard for me to say. Well, I I have a feeling that the NCAA isn't going to miss out on any of that. You know that that's what they feel like their real function are is that those type of things, not handling a pandemic, but handling um, these type of violations. I I think think they'll push ahead zach i don't see why this would affect it at all but then again it's the ncaa and they're a little bit confusing i mean if depending on where the ncaa's priorities are i would say that you know trying to make sure that all teams can play versus one team maybe not playing in a postseason or two or three or however many scholarships they might lose you know i feel like I feel like from a prioritization standpoint, I'd, I'd hope the NCAA wouldn't necessarily be look, you know, working on this at this point. But then again, it's not like the, the people in compliance are worried about game operations and medical operations, you know? So, so I don't really know. I don't think that the NCAA is going to forget and just be like, Oh yeah, we were investigating them 10 years ago. 
I, I don't think that's going to happen, but I think that announcements, you know, might, you know, it, it really, it wouldn't surprise me if KU just decided to, you know, you know how, how teams can preemptively opt out of postseason saying, Hey, we're going to get punished. We're just going to take our, take our haircut. Now, maybe KU just says, we're not even going to just play this season and just blame it on COVID, but also, Hey, it was actually a secret suspension that we decided to take. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't know how the NCAA is going to handle it, but I trust that K-State and Missouri fans will remind the NCAA to get back to business and get back to suspending KU. I think K-State and Missouri fans find this common ground, this bond they have to hate all things Jayhawkish, that they will hound the NCAA to continue this investigation. Or at least they'll bitch on Twitter, which is always a positive, guys. It's always good to go on and bitch on Twitter. I hope they don't bitch about this podcast. I hope people enjoyed the podcast. I mean, I'll be upset if they didn't think we answered their questions properly. Gills, did you feel fulfilled in your first week of question collecting? I did. Do you feel like I did? A better job than Zach, though. That's the real question. I, or at least did I meet his standards? I'm going to handle this like I handle uh, my two dogs that aren't old and senile. Uh, she doesn't know what's going on. So the two young ones, uh, just because I'm scratching dude behind the ear does not mean I like dude better than Daphne. So right now I'm scratching you behind the ear, but I'd still value <laughs> Zach. There. I don't know, Fitz. If you saw how I formatted the questions, <laughs> and you saw these, you—I think you'd change your mind there. <laughs> it, it's uh—it's kind of like making sausage, guys. I don't need to see the process. I just want it to be delicious when we get to this point of the podcast. And except for him trying to say a recruit's name, I, Gills did pretty well today. Woohoo! Woo! Woo! Well, he delivers pizza on the side and delivers questions on this podcast. We hope you hey, enjoyed. I'm done with Pizza Hut. Whoa, that's right. You're moving uh -huh. to the MHK. Uh huh. Ladies, watch out. I had to hang up my hut. Wow. Sad day, emotional day. Uh, Not going to transfer? No, I wouldn't get any sort of tips in Manhattan. No way. What are you talking about? I Unless I go to Tim Fitzgerald's house. Or Zach Carlson's house. Yeah, I'll tip you. I'm just college students, you know, not worth it. But I'm hanging up my hut. Very good. Well, maybe next week you guys will be in the uh, studio and I'll be on Zoom. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know how we're going to do this. Oh, the world is our oyster. Oh, I hate oysters. We'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Power Cat Questions podcast presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Power Cat Podcast, all rights reserved, gopowercat.com and Spirit Street Publishing.